Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we focus on the 2022 African Nations Championship, the CHAN, which begins this weekend in Algeria with 18 teams taking part. Also, we talk to exciting Ghana midfielder Kamaldine Suleimana, who's just 20 and played for the Black Stars in two games at the World Cup in Qatar. There's so much ahead of us, and uh, uh, to lose in the group stage, in the, in the biggest stage in the world is, is I, I would say, it's a learning process, you know. That's coming later. Also, Stuart looks ahead to the weekend's English Premier League action with the Manchester Derby headlining. We start with sad news on the show with the news of the death of Cameroonian great Modest Mbami, who had 38 caps for the Indomitable Lions and was part of the team that won gold at the 2000 Sydney Olympics. Mbami was a former Paris Saint-Germain and Marseille midfielder. He passed away at the age of 40 after suffering a heart attack in France. He was also part of the team that reached the final of the 2003 FIFA Confederations Cup in France. Well, condolences to her family and friends of the great Modest Mbami. And on a brighter note, great to hear of the return of Ivory Coast Sebastian Haller, who's back in action and has made his debut with Borussia Dortmund after a six-month battle against testicular cancer. Haller, who's 28, got the diagnosis of cancer shortly after joining Borussia Dortmund in July after a great campaign with Ajax in the Netherlands. He underwent tests that revealed a malignant tumour and had two surgeries and chemotherapy and finally got the green light to join the squad on their return to training at the start of this month. Uh, Hal has been fighting hard and uh, says he's looking forward to a good second half of the season and has said on his return that uh, he feels good. So good news there. Also good news that three African players have been added to FIFPRO's Global Player Council. Uh, FIFPRO is the body that represents footballers worldwide and has uh, 66 uh, footballers associations in various countries uh, around the world. Uh, the three additions are Zimbabwe midfielder Marshall Munetzi, who plays for Rance in France, and two female players, that's Rashidat Ajibade, who shone at the Women's Africa Cup of Nations last year. Uh, she's the Nigerian, who plays for Atletico Madrid, and also Kenya's Enes Mango, who plays for Farul Constanta. Uh, the Global Player Council is a platform for players with international experience uh, to represent footballers in negotiations about global issues that affect them, including the international match calendar, employment standards, social media abuse uh, and many other issues. So good to have those three African players uh, joining uh, the council that now has 34 representatives, including names like the Italian legendary defender Giorgio Chiellini and the recent World Cup winner Nicolas Tagliafico. Now the 2022 African Nations Championship begins uh, this weekend in Algeria, the CHAN, with 18 teams taking part. It's the seventh edition of the tournament, which is for home-based players only. It was moved into 2023 because of the delay to the 2021 AFCON and the FIFA World Cup being on at the end of last year. It will take place in four cities along the Mediterranean coast. Morocco are the defending champions. They've won the tournament twice, as have DR Congo. 
Uh, so, either this a good way to start the new year. Always a difficult tournament to predict, and it does favour those countries with strong domestic leagues. It's definitely an incentive for countries to improve their local leagues, Steve. And I really like it, you know, when countries actually take this tournament seriously, because at the end of the day, it is a continental competition. You've mentioned Morocco and DRC winning it twice. Well, Ghana has reached the final twice without winning it in 2009 and then in 2014. So they will be hoping that third time can be the charm. There is also the issue of the continental trouble, Steve, which has never been won. That being the Afghan, the Chan, and uh, the Beach Soccer Nations Cup. Now, Senegal currently holds two of those, but you know the Chan has never really been their thing. I mean, last time they participated before this was in 2011. Looking at Madagascar, well, they are the only team in this edition that will be making a debut. But if the last few years, Steve, in African football have taught us anything. Is that a Madagascan debut can certainly offer up a surprise? <laughs> I mean, remember them at the 2019 Afghan going all the way to the quarters? You know, never discount Madagascar. Also, 15 of the 18 coaches at this year's Chan are African, which is a new tournament record. And there has been some controversy, though, to do with、uh, Morocco's participation. Steve, as is often the discussion, traveling within the African continent is no small task, and it's often quite interesting to others that oftentimes one has to first leave the continent to then travel within the continent. You know, but anyway, with the two countries bordering one another, the Moroccan Federation threatened to pull out of the tournament. If a direct flight could not be organized for the team, Steve, the situation was in limbo days to kick off, with some wondering whether this really was a task for Algeria or for CAF to fulfill. With that said, the two countries have experienced really sour political relations for the last couple of years, since August 2021, to be specific, Steve, when Algeria closed its airspace to Morocco, and this division has poured pretty much into every facet of life between the two countries. So, the situation, I think, shouldn't be taken at face value. But the boycott issue hasn't only been with Morocco. Uganda had threatened to as well before making a U-turn after the government released funds for the competition. Libya as well, Steve. The Libyan Football Federation has several cases in local courts with its bank accounts suspended as a result. A move it says, you know, contravenes FIFA's rules of no government interference. As for prize money, Steve, I am going with、uh, the total prize purse from the last edition in Cameroon, which was around 5.4 million dollars. Now it does start at 175,000 for each team participating, 400,000 for making the semi-finals, and eventually 1.25 million for the winners. Thanks, Ida. And at the time of recording, there were still doubts over Morocco's participation in the Chan,、uh, basically over their relations、uh, with Algeria. So we'll see whether they will indeed pull out or go ahead and、uh, try to defend their title. 
and I'll be at the Chan in Algeria. I'll be covering the games in the city of Oran. So next week's show will come to you from Algeria. We're next here on Planet Sport Football Africa to our interview with Kamaldine Sulemana, who played for Ghana in two games at the World Cup in Qatar and plays his club football with Rennes in France. Now, Sulemana is only 20, he's a midfielder, and he spoke to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oloashina Akaleji about the Black Stars' World Cup group stage exit in Qatar and first about the death of Brazilian legend Pele. Big blue, huh? Big Blue has been a role model to every single player. So, yeah, it's a big blue for all football lovers. So. Growing up, I mean, you also wear number 10 shirt. Growing up, um, what's your memory of Pele or what is it about Pele, you know? For me, I haven't really seen him play in uh, life, but, you know, I've seen so many uh, video uh, video clips of him, you know, that's why we, we try to learn. And I, when you don't witness it live, you don't really have the best memory, but you, you can, you can see his skills when you watch on YouTube and, uh, you know, you're learning from, and I think every, every skill that exists, he has done it first. So yeah, yeah, he's, he's a, he's a great legend. For, for Ghana, um, I mean, you play at the World Cup, um, was it a matter of very close yet too far for Ghana at the World Cup? I would say, uh, everything is possible, you know, and yeah. Uh, we, we we lost our last game and we were, we were close. We we were close. Uh, we had three points and we needed a draw, a win to go. So I think we were close. And uh, you know, when you get out of the when you get out of the group, it doesn't matter if you are the favorite or not. You can keep going like Morocco did. So I think I wouldn't say we are far. I think everything is possible and with the potential and uh, with the players we have. If we had gotten through, I think uh, we could have done something. But yeah, it's unfortunate. As a young player, what was it like for you to play at the World Cup? I would say it's a dream come true because you know. Four years back, I was, I was 16, you know, playing Rajinam Academy and, and watching the World Cup, you know. So uh, to be able to play the next World Cup, uh, I feel uh, blessed. I think it was a dream come true and then it was a, a very great experience. Ghana showed some grit and, of course, a lot of people were surprised about the way you guys played another. Is that a positive going into your AFCON qualifiers and hopefully in the next AFCON? Yes, um, we're good together, we play together and then yeah, um, uh, we were not, we were trying to play football, we kept the ball on the ground, showed uh, what uh, Africans can do as well, so uh, moving forward I think it's going to continue, uh, we're going to continue to play football, uh, we're not going to just be kicking balls around, we're going to play the ball on the ground and show uh, what Africa is made of. A lot of people were surprised about the way you guys played, especially in that game against South Korea and how you earned that victory. Is it, is it a matter of you guys finally gelling at the World Cup compared to all the criticism from home, from your fans, from some media saying, ah, this team is not good enough? I mean, football is about opinions. You know, some people believed in us and some didn't. And that's just how it is. But, you know, you, we want to prove uh, uh, the people who believe in us, we want to prove them right. And the people who don't believe in us, we wanted to prove them wrong. You know, so at the end of the day, we... we uh, we lost, we, we didn't qualify, but I think uh, we learned, we learned a lot, especially uh, the young ones, because uh, there's so much ahead of us, and uh, uh, to lose in the group stage, in the, in the biggest stage in the world is, is I, I would say it's a learning process, you know. Personally too, there's talk about you, Mohamed Kudus, as forming the nucleus of the next generation of Ghanaian players. Does that put you under pressure, knowing that, look, you're still a young boy? I, I would say I wouldn't say it's a it's a pressure. Uh, it's part of the game, you know. If you can't uh, take the pressure, you can't handle the pressure. I guess you you just stay at home and not play football because football there's pressure everywhere. So 
I would say it's a source of motivation for uh, uh, us, me includes uh, when we know Ghanaians uh, uh, see us as the uh, future. Uh, it's a big responsibility, and I think we can handle it. Because um, I, I feel um, uh, the longer I stay in the pitch, the better I become. So once uh, I'm not fit, then it slows down the, uh, the process, it slows, and you're not happy. So uh, fit, uh, fitness and being on the pitch is a very important part of uh, uh, football, uh, footballers because yeah, we all want to be on the pitch, we all want to play, we all want to enjoy and we all want to improve. So when you're not on the pitch, it's, you're, it's different, you're in a different world. So yeah, everybody likes to be on the pitch. Uh, and like me, I've been outside the pitch for uh, quite a long time. And the goal, first important goal is to stay on the pitch as much as I can stay. And then the longer I stay, the better I become. So that's Ghana midfielder Kamaldine Sulemana speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji. Sulemana plays for Rennes in France, very highly rated, and at 20 years old he could indeed be part of an exciting future for the Black Stars, Ida. You know, Steve, it's so funny how life turns out. And I think that the startings of Suleiman's football story really do bear testament to something that's often said about him. His grit and perseverance. Suleimana, well, he first touched a football in the city of Techiman in Ghana. And when the Right to Dream Academy, which has produced many top footballers in Ghana, as many know, when they first heard about him, they actually had to go to his home city three times before they could get him because he was sick on two of those occasions. But in typical Suleimana fashion, he pulled through. And everything worked out. His choice to go from Denmark to France, I think, also spoke to his character. Steve, this was a time when he just started getting on the radar of several big clubs. And I think, you know, between he and his team, they did see it fit to go to a league where he could develop himself and more so as a young player minus some of the added pressures that definitely come with playing in a country like England. And it's actually quite commendable to me because it does put development of the player first, much ahead of things like money, which can come as a player grows. And a really interesting statistic on the 20-year-old, well, he was the fastest player at the FIFA World Cup, Steve. Now, according to official FIFA data, he hit a top speed of 35.7 kilometers per hour. That was in the game against Uruguay. And that was 2.4 kilometers per hour faster than Kylian Mbappe, who the world knows, of course, is incredibly quick. So provided Suleimana can stay healthy, because injury has been a worry for him, you know. He was injured before the World Cup. Before that, he missed Ghana's World Cup playoffs against Nigeria. That was in an injury stint that lasted 74 days. So look, provided he can stay healthy, I think and I hope that he does have a wonderful future lined up. Yeah, faster than Kylian Mbappe, uh, Kamaldine Suleimana, a player to watch out for if uh, hopefully he does uh, stay fit. Thanks, Ida. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart, on the weekend's English Premier League action as we look forward to the Manchester Derby. 
Well, let's go to social media now. Last week we asked, "What do you think of Ronaldo's move to Saudi Arabia?" As one of the greatest players of all time, Cristiano Ronaldo has joined Saudi Arabian club Al Nasser and will earn an estimated two hundred million dollars a year. So we asked, "What do you think about his move? Is the standard too low for him? Should he have gone elsewhere? Does he maybe deserve the huge deal given his legendary status?" And interestingly, although this move has been widely criticised, most people who got in touch with us were positive about the move. And we start in Nigeria with Akau Husseini Joshua, who says if that will help him to become better, and if he chooses to do that, then that's fine. And、uh, Danny Ritchie says, "I'm not a Ronaldo fan, but he's got everything he's ever needed in football. Now it's time for him to relax and to make money," says Danny. Kadir Mohamed Ismail is in Ethiopia, and Kadir says Ronaldo is correct. We remain appreciating and respecting him forever. You mustn't judge things by the eyes of the West. That is absolutely incorrect, says Kadir. And Gloria Atuhaire says Ronaldo deserves even more than what he's been offered. Football shouldn't only concentrate in Europe. Saudi Arabia has made history as a country that seems now ready to upgrade its league, says Gloria. But Obinwe Etuka in the UK says Ronaldo would have preferred to play in Europe rather than going to Saudi Arabia. If you remember, it's、uh, long ago the Saudi offer was made to him, but he never wanted it. He only decided at a late hour when it was clear to him that he doesn't have a chance to play again in Europe. Have we forgotten that he was benched by Man United and by Portugal because of his decline? Says Obinwa. Daniel Smart in Nigeria took our question to the goat debate, saying that Ronaldo is better than Messi. And also along those lines was Kenny Banda in Zimbabwe, saying he's in the evening of his career. Let him finish it in that farmers' league. I think, in a nutshell, it's all down to money. The world has only one goat in the name of Lionel Messi. Any other player is a shadow to him, says Kenny. Then Tesfai Gebramariam in Ethiopia says his time is up. He needs to go into retirement. And Balong Baji in the Gambia says, "Well, the renowned Ronaldo now has less to offer. So joining Al Nasser, where football is not as good, makes sense, and he can prove his critics wrong, despite his questionable character, which has affected his credibility, no doubt. But he's still appreciated," says Balong. Also in the Gambia, Musa Fatoujara says Ronaldo's better than any player you might think of. He's a team changer. Good-hearted people are always rewarded handsomely by God, and Ronaldo is one of the good people, says Musa. We heard from Guy and Goma in Kinshasa in DR Congo, and Guy says, "I think Ronaldo doesn't deserve all this criticism. He's made many people happy through his great performances." And Stuart Gouet in Liberia says, "I must tell you for free that CR7 is very sound and smart. He has nothing to prove for now. He's reached his peak in football." And Abubakar Yakubu in Ghana says he has nothing to prove to anyone. Moreover, he's not just a footballer, but a businessman as well. So he knows what he's doing," says Abubakar. 
Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. Always great to hear from you. This week we're asking, who do you think are going to be the English Premier League champions? As the EPL is at the halfway stage now, Arsenal have a five-point lead over Manchester City, with Newcastle in third and Manchester United in fourth. So, is Arsenal's lead big enough? Who do you think will come out the champions and why? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Who do you think will be the English Premier League champions? Well, next now, let's go to our European football expert Stuart Weir in the UK, and uh, lots to talk about as always. Um, third round matches in the English FA Cup last weekend, Stuart, and uh, the tournament's known for its shocks, but uh, it really outdid itself, didn't it? Aston Villa, at home to Stevenage from League Two, were leading one nil with five minutes left, and in those final five minutes, Villa had a player red carded and conceded two goals and lost. I spoke last week about how Nottingham Forest was showing excellent league form. Well, they went to Blackpool, bottom of the championship, and lost 4-1. High-flying Newcastle United went to Sheffield Wednesday. Now, Wednesday are in League 1, 44 places below Newcastle in the league table, but it was Wednesday 2, Newcastle United 1. Bournemouth lost at home to Burnley 4-2, but I'm not sure if that counts as a shock, as Bournemouth are one point above relegation in the Premier League and Burnley are five points clear at the top of the Championship. Chelsea lost away to Manchester City. Now, no shame in that, but it was a manner of the defeat. 4-0 down, three goals conceded before half-time. Chelsea outclassed. Chelsea are having a terrible run at the moment having won only one of their last ten domestic fixtures. I mean, you can hardly talk about Graham Potter being under pressure, but wow, uh, it's not a good time for him. And Steve, if you'd like a nice African statistic, Manchester City have beaten Chelsea three times this season, and Riyad Mahrez has scored in each of the three games. Talking of Chelsea, their Senegalese goalkeeper, Eduard Mende, is having a tough time. He injured his shoulder at the World Cup, was back in training last week and broke his finger. Terrible bad luck for him, really. Now, two managers who would have been relieved to get a victory in the FA Cup were David Moyes, whose West Ham team had not won any of their last six Premier League games. And, incidentally, it was their Algerian, Ben Rama, who scored West Ham's goal in the 1-0 win over Brentford. And another delighted manager was Southampton's new boss, Nathan Jones. After losing his first three Premier League games, they beat Crystal Palace 2-1 in the FA Cup. Leicester won 1-0 at Gillingham, who are absolute bottom of the Football League. And it was the Nigerian Kalechi Ihenecho who scored. But he's having a tough season, having only managed to start one Premier League game, but nice to see him score in the Cup. And finally, Steve, since we've been following the fortunes of Colo Torre and Wigan, they drew away to Luton Town and have a home replay to come.
Well, let's see if Toure can win that then. And the EFL Cup also gave us a shock result with Southampton beating Manchester City 3-0 on Wednesday. With City manager Pep Guardiola resting a lot of players ahead of Saturday's Manchester derby. Uh, more on that game shortly. Uh, but before that, Stuart, uh, sad to hear of the death of Gianluca Vialli, the Italian player who had a great spell with Chelsea. Yes, last week Pelly, this week John Lucaviale, as we say goodbye to another superstar of football. He made 59 appearances for Italy, scoring 16 goals. He won Serie A, both with Sampdoria and with Juventus. But it's really for his four years at Chelsea that he is most known to us. Chelsea are one of the top clubs in Europe, but go back to 1996. It was 40 years since they'd been champions of England. Foreign players were not really common, not the way they are now, nor foreign managers really. So when Ken Bates, the chairman of Chelsea, appointed Ruud Hullett as player manager, it was a big shock. And one of the first signings Hullett made was Viale on a free transfer. And in the next four years, Chelsea won the FA Cup twice, the League Cup and the Cup Winners' Cup. Viali scored 21 goals in his 58 league games. And when Hullett left, Viali was appointed player-manager. 34, no managerial experience, but he did it well. And tributes to his greatness as a player and coach have been made in the last week, but also to him as a lovely human being. And Steve, there's a great story about when he was player-manager, Chelsea were facing Arsenal in the second leg of the League Cup, 2-1 down from the first leg, and they entered the dressing room, surprised to see Viali pouring glasses of champagne for all the players before the kick-off. So they drank the champagne and went out and overturned the deficit and beat Arsenal. And another lovely story, when Viali soon after he arrived at Chelsea, the player liaison officer had helped him a lot, so Viali invited him out to dinner and just said to him, look, would you mind picking me up in your car and driving me to and from the restaurant? And afterwards, the Chelsea employee was a bit concerned that his car was not in the car park and a new BMW was parked where he had left his car. Viali had bought him a new BMW to say thank you for his help. Viali recently said, I am a man on a journey and cancer has joined me on that journey like an unwelcome travel companion. Sadly, he was unable to rid himself of the unwelcome companion. A great footballer and a lovely man who will be sorely missed. Yeah, there were such a touching tributes for uh, Gianluca Viali. And um, Stuart, uh, back to the action on the pitch. A big weekend in the English Premier League. Manchester Derby highlighting things. Well, Steve, I cannot remember a fixture list as intriguing as the one we've got this coming weekend because the top eight clubs all play each other. Saturday lunchtime, Manchester City go to Manchester United. Later on Saturday afternoon, Liverpool go to Brighton. On Sunday, we've got Newcastle United at home to Fulham. And then, uh, late Sunday afternoon, the North London Derby, Tottenham, at home to leaders Arsenal. Now, Manchester United, remember, have already played City this season in the league. 
and they went 6-1 down, getting two late goals to make it 6-3. But United have improved a lot since that. But this will be a real test. What can they do against the might of City? And the intrigue doesn't end there, because would you believe it, the bottom four also play each other. Everton at home to Southampton, and Wolves at home to West Ham United. So we may know a bit more at the top and the bottom after the weekend. Now, two surprising things so far this season for me, Steve, are how consistent Arsenal have been. Who would have predicted a five-point lead at the top of the table for Arsenal? But probably the biggest surprise is to see Newcastle United in third place. Now, we all know about the new owners of Newcastle and the apparently unlimited Saudi money. When Eddie Howe was appointed manager about 13 months ago, I thought he was a good appointment for a club battling relegation. But I never expected him to take the team into the top four so quickly. And what is fascinating about it, that Nick Pope and goal and Sven Botman in defence are the only two significant new signings. How is effectively done it with the squad that he inherited? And it's established players like Guillemares, Miguel Almiron, Joe Linton, Callum Wilson, players who just somehow how has managed to motivate and put in positions on the pitch that suit them. And he's getting just more out of them than previous managers. But let's see if they can stay in the top four. That is the big question. Yes, there's such a transformation under Eddie Howe for Newcastle. They've got an easy-looking game at home to Fulham on Sunday. Manchester Derby is on Saturday. Thanks so much, Stuart. Uh, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.